The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the phone. Between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we're so pleased to have Dr. Ken Blanchard on today's show. Few people have influenced the day-to-day management of people and companies more than Ken Blanchard. He's a prominent, sought-after, author, speaker, business consultant. Dr. Blanchard is universally characterized by his friends, colleagues, and clients as one of the most insightful, powerful, and compassionate individuals in business today. Ken is one of the most influential leadership experts in the world, and is respected for his years of groundbreaking work in the fields of leadership and management. I'm sure, like most of the listeners on the phone, I've been reading Ken's stuff for probably the last 20 or 30 years. When Ken speaks, he speaks from the heart with warmth and humor. He is able to speak to an audience and communicate with each person as if they were alone and talking one-on-one. Ken is a sophisticated storyteller with a knack for making the seemingly complex easy to understand. Kathy and I... Always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews of proven leaders, and we really want to focus on evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And Kathy, welcome to the call. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leadership Development News. We know that you and the leaders in your company are the heartbeat of your organization. And as you know, Relly and I work very hard on all of our shows to bring you the best in leadership development news to help make you and your leaders the best you can be. And we're delighted today to have Dr. Ken Blanchard. But, you know, it's just doing a few very small things differently that can really improve your performance and the performance of those around you in your organizations. And what Relly and I try to bring to every show, which we'll hear in today's show, is a little bit about what happy companies know how emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies can make a difference in your company, how the brain and neuroscience contribute to performance, how differences in gender and generations can also make improvements. We talk about work-life balance, strategies for managing yourself, managing yourself, your boss, and, and certainly lots of great tools that you can use immediately following the show. So can we uh, welcome Ken? Ken, are you there with us? Yes, it's great to be with you both, that's for sure. Oh, thank you. And, you know, Relly, I'd like to turn the show back over to you just for a few minutes to talk about some of the fact-based information that we love to share with our audiences so that they know that leadership is a science. Well, good. Thank you, Kathy. And why do we talk about leaders so much? And we're going to pick Ken's brain on some of his wealth of experience here. Well, the reason is we know leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. And they're what we call the emotional thermostat for their team. Emotions are contagious. So if the leader is clear and focused, the team is clear and focused. If the leader is uh, irritated and upset, most likely the team is irritated and upset. And we also know the key to being a star performer, as we define, is somebody who's in the top 10%. And one of the key factors 
is emotional intelligence, especially when you're compared to how smart someone is or their technical expertise. And the focus of our show is how to help you get people in the top 10%. And one of the reasons that's important is we know that leaders in the top 10% produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers or leaders in the 11th through the 89th percentile. We also know that you can increase profit by creating coaching networks. We'll talk to Dr. Blanchard a little bit about some of the coaching networks he's familiar with. Uh, and if you're able to do that, studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. And both Kathy and I are, are certified coaches, and we know that when you add coaching to training, you get a huge bump in productivity uh, in the individuals. And like Kathy said, we're looking for you to get maybe one or two small things that we call micro initiatives that can create macro impact. And if you're interested in more information from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in more information from me, Dr. Relly Nadler, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence, books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. Kathy, turn it back to you. Well, thank you. I have the great honor this morning of introducing our guest, Ken Blanchard. And to many of you who are listening today, you know that uh, Dr. Blanchard is the co-founder and the chief spiritual officer of the Ken Blanchard Companies. It's an international management training and consulting firm that he and his lovely wife, Margie, began back in 1979 in San Diego, California. In addition to being a renowned speaker and outstanding consultant, Ken also spends time as a visiting lecturer at his alma mater, uh, that's Cornell University, and he is also a trustee emeritus on their board. Starting with his phenomenal best-selling book, The One Minute Manager, co-authored with Spencer Johnson, which, by the way, has sold more than 13 million copies, still remains a bestseller. He's also added to that list raving fans, gung-ho, and well done. And Ken's impact as a writer is really far-reaching. His books have combined sales of more than 18 million copies and have been translated into more than 25 languages. Leading at a Higher Level, recently published in 2006, and No Can Do, published in 2009, have now graced the shelves along with The One Minute Entrepreneur, published in 2008, and all are receiving critical acclaim. Ken has received many, many awards and honors for his outstanding contributions in the fields of management, leadership, and speaking. And the National Speakers Association awarded him one of their highest honors, and that is what we know as the Council of Peers Award of Excellence. He was inducted into the HRD Hall of Fame by Training Magazine and Lakewood Conferences, and he has received the Golden Gavel Award from Toastmasters International. Ken has received the Thought Leadership Award for his continued support of work related to learning and performance by ISA, and Ken has been inducted into Amazon's Hall of Fame as one of the top 25 best-selling authors of all times. The business school at Grand Canyon University bears his name, and Ken teaches students in the Masters of Science and Executive Leadership Program at the University of San Diego. I'm proud that Ken has put his name on my book, What Happy Companies Know, 
and I know he'll be helping support my new book, Happy Working Mothers Know, as he always does with grace. He's born in New Jersey and raised in New York, and he's received a master's degree from Colgate and Cornell. Welcome, Ken. Well, Kathy, it's good to be here. I'm sorry my mother's not still alive. She would have loved to have heard all those <laughs> accolades. <laughs> <laughs> and being a mother myself, I can enjoy them. Yes. <laughs> well, it's just a, a joy to, to be with you and the, the good work that you guys are all doing in both uh, the whole coaching realm and the emotional intelligence. It's so important. You know, I, I just feel more and more that uh, leaders and parents and all that realize that life is not just about performance and results. It's about both people and results. Uh, it's not a either-or. It's a both-and, and, and uh, we can't do anything without the people around us. So uh, uh, I just applaud what you guys are doing. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I want to I give Relly here the opportunity to ask the juiciest question of all. So you go Very ahead, good. Relly. Well, thanks, Ken. It's great to have you on the call. Like I said earlier, you know, it's probably been 25, 30 years of looking at your books. And what we like to start off with, maybe just give us a little bit of your kind of background and how you got into this leadership field and maybe, you know, some of the either philosophy or some of the key people that may have influenced you, just to get a little bit of the uh, makeup of who uh, Ken Blanchard is. Well, you know, when I think about who really got me into the field, I have to really, first of all, think of my mother and my father. My father was a wonderful character. He retired as an admiral in the Navy, but he was a kind of a Mr. Roberts uh, character, and i never forget in seventh grade I was elected president of the class, and I came home, and I'm all pumped up, and, and Dad says, congratulations, Ken, but now that you have a leadership position, don't ever use it. He said great leaders are great because people respect and trust them, not because they have power. <laughs> you know, and so here I am, you know, a young kid, uh, with a father starting to teach you that. And my mother, uh, she believed in positive thinking, I think, before Norman Vincent Peale started to talk about it. But she told everybody, I laughed before I cried, I danced before I walked, you know, I uh, smiled before I frowned, you know. And, I mean, so it was pretty hard for me not to come out as a positive person who really thought uh, that leadership was not all about power and control and all of those kinds of things. You know, as you're speaking, Ken, I can't help but think of a very small but very powerful book that I've carried around since 1999 when it was published called The Heart of a Leader. And a lot of the little sayings that you just shared with our audience are in that book. And maybe as we go through our conversation today together, we can take a look at some of those things and how you have chosen to take what you've learned and influence those around you using um, those very salient words. Would that be okay with you? Yes, it'd be interesting, you know. And and uh, you know, in the woman and entrepreneur that I wrote most recently, we have at the end of each section what called a one minute insights. And the heart of the leader is really like one minute uh, insights because you know, as I look back, Kathy and Raleigh, when uh, the people who have impacted my life the most didn't go on with long diatribes, you know, and all. There was this short, pithy advice. Uh, you know that uh, that really made a difference. Like my father saying, "Now that you got a position, don't use it." You know, and and those are the kind of things that are really, uh, you know. Uh, and my mother used to say, "Choose your friends, you know, carefully because people are going to be looking at who you associate with, and that's who they're going to get the impression of who you are." And uh, you know, who do you gather around you? That's really kind of 
uh, key. I, I wish the presidential candidates would tell everybody now who their cabinet was going to mm. be. I want to know who's going to be gathered around them. Right. <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly true, because that's now that's the next step them as a leader. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Ken, it's not on our, our questions here, but... Um, well, you hear know our, what? We Why don't our, we ask it when we come back? Yeah, we hear our music, and you know, we're going to come right back to Leadership Development News with Dr. Ken Blanchard. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has a bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. This is Dr. Kathy Greenberg. I'm here with Dr. Relly Nadler. And our exciting guest for today's show, Ken Blanchard. Now, Relly, you were just in the middle of a question, and we had to go to break. Uh, can you circle yeah. back and remember sure. where you were? Yes, I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Ken, I was thinking just as in preparing for this, you really started, I think, uh, an innovation about how to reach people really through the story versus, you know, long kind of textbooks. And, and even with the pithy statements and things that you're saying in some of your newer books, 
maybe you can talk a little bit about that because there has been now a lot of books that have, have kind of followed suit with more teaching through story. Well, it's interesting, you know, because I, I was a college professor, and the first thing I wrote was actually a textbook called Management of Organizational Behavior with Paul Hersey and I, but everybody told both of us we couldn't write, so we thought we would be a great team, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it's in its ninth edition now. It sells more today in 2008 than it did in 1969. But uh, the reason I got into parables is uh, Margie and I were invited to a party in San Diego for authors when we first went out there. We were on sabbatical leave from the University of Massachusetts, and Margie ran into Spencer Johnson. And Spencer was an M.D. who was in medical uh, communication, and he wrote a series of kids' books called Value Tales, The Value of Determination, The Story of Helen Keller, The Value of Believing in Yourself, The Story of Louis Pasteur, and all. And Margie hand-carried him over and said, you two ought to write a children's book for managers because they won't read anything else. And <laughs> so that's how she introduced us, and I invited Spencer to a seminar I was doing on the following Monday, and he was working on a one-minute scolding with a psychiatrist on <laughs> child rearing and he stood in the back and he laughed at all my stories and everything and he came running up and he said you know let's forget the one minute parenting let's go for the one minute manager and since he was a children's book writer and I was a storyteller we decided to write a parable you know a kid's book for managers uh, because uh, you know people don't argue about the facts you know they get into the story and you can teach a few concepts rather than a lot of Mm -hmm. concepts and so uh that's what the one-minute manager was, and so Spencer and I both have continued not necessarily working together. He did one, Who Moved My Cheese, you know, and and books like that, and, and I've gone on to Raving Fans and Gun Ho and Whale Done, and, but they're all kids' books for big people, which has a wonderful kind of story, and people can get into it. Ken, when, when you look back on the years of experience that you've had From your perspective, why are management strategies so difficult to understand, and yet you've made it your life's work to help make these strategies simple and easy for anybody to achieve? Well, I think that what happens with most people when they want to teach somebody is they want to teach them everything. Mm. And uh, we got in the belief that you ought to give people the 20% that will give them the 80%, the old Pareto's Law. Mm-hmm. And so every time I work on a book, I think of, you know, what are the key things I want people to understand in terms of this topic that can make a difference in there, and how do I focus on that rather than everything, you know? Because I think what we do is we paralyze people by overkill uh, and uh, not sort of give them some key simple things. And uh, it's amazing the woman that manages still a bestseller today 28 years later and people come up to me and say, God, that changed my life. You know, I realized I just needed to be clear on goals and then wander around and catch people doing things right. And if they made a mistake, I should redirect them and reprimand. Boom. That, those are three things. If they remember those, they're going to they're be effective. Well, that's such a great principle. I have a uh, colleague, Dr. John Luckner, who talks about from an educational standpoint, he's a professor, this idea of input plus one. And so you give them a little bit of input and then just stretch them plus one. And I think a lot of books and a lot of seminars are input plus four, input plus five, six, and they can't remember anything. Yes, and you keep on doing it. And, and you know, into in your field, Kathy, you know, I wrote a book with Paul J. Myers and uh, called uh, No Can Do, which is why don't people take what they know and do it. 
Well, is number one is they learn too much. You know, they ought to focus on a few things mm. and all, and then you got to get rid of their stinking thinking. But the biggest problem is how do you get what's in their head into their behavior? And that's where I'm such a big fan of the whole coaching movement mm. because uh, I tell you that there's much better probability that people are going to be able to use and be successful with what they learn if they have follow-up coaching uh, and follow-up structure that can make a difference in their lives. Well, let's, let's go back to the permission that you gave me when we started the show to talk about the heart of a leader because there's some really pithy uh, statements in here that I think are so pertinent to today's management audience because we have the millennials, as you know, who have their own perspective on life and, and uh, how they want to live it. We have the Gen Xers who are now kind of prime time. And then we have folks like me, you know, the good old boomers, who are still, by and large, running many of these companies. So let me pass a couple of these quips that you have published so beautifully. And if you could tell us a little bit about what you were thinking when you designed these. So here's, here's one for you, which I love. People with humility don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. Mm. Well, my big thought there was that, you know, a lot of times people think if somebody's humble that they don't have a very good image of themselves because, you know, Jim Collins in Good to Great came out and found humility was one of the great characteristics of two of great leaders, and he never anticipated humility. And uh, to me, people who are real humble uh, actually uh, feel good about themselves. And as a result, they don't have to spend a lot of time stroking themselves and having other people. As a result, they're able to spend more time helping other people uh, develop their skills. And so, uh, boy, humility is just uh, so important. The, the egocentric leaders who think leadership's all about them, they're nothing but problems. Excellent. Here's, an, here's another one that touches my heart. Don't wait until people do things exactly right before you praise them. Yes, you know, that whole praising uh, concept, you know, is that some people say, you well, you know, you're going to praise people all along and all that kind of thing. I said, absolutely, because if you wait till they finish something to praise them, it might be too late, you know. And, uh, I mean, you know, I use the example with, you know, Shamu the whale. You know, how do they get a killer whale to jump out of the water over a rope that they have there? Well, they start the rope down at the, under the water. And every time the whale swims over it, he, they feed him. And mm-hmm. every time he swims under it, they don't do anything. And after a while, he goes, hmm, they'd be interesting. So you want to praise progress. It's a moving target towards where you're trying to do. And, and I ask people all the time, <laughs> you know, are you sick and tired of all the praisings you're going to get at work? You wish <laughs> that they would lay off. And everybody laughs, you know, because most people in organizations get caught doing things wrong, not right. They have seagull managers who run around until they make a mistake, and then they fly in, you know, dump on everybody, make a lot of noise, and fly out. It's not very, very helpful. <laughs> and I just want to take one more here, and, uh, and then we'll move on to another segment. But, you know, there's something that I've learned from our mutual friend, Mark Galston, uh, and Mark uh, talks about mutual respect. You should never work with someone as a coach or a peer or as a manager if you cannot leave that relationship feeling like you've both got mutual respect. And you have a beautiful saying in this book by Eleanor Roosevelt, and it says, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. 
Well, I think that's so important for people to realize that, you know, most people don't need an enemy because uh, they have themselves. <laughs> you know, they're always beating themselves up and then interpreting other things. And remember, if you don't feel very good about yourself, you know, look in the mirror because you probably started that, you know. I mean, God didn't make any junk. Uh, you know, we all are beautiful. We have things that we need to learn and all. But, but if you're going to have mutual respect, it comes from when you both really feel pretty good about yourself and you're willing to take in and respect and uh, work with somebody else. Uh, but you don't want to hang around with people with their heads down, quacking like ducks, you know, I'm no good, or I did this, or he said that, you know. So, <laughs> so that's all uh, pride issues. So one of the things, Ken, just following up on the, on the praise and recognition, what, <clears throat> what do you tell managers when they say, well, that's what their job should be. You know, they should be doing that. You know, I'm not here to handhold them. I'm not here to, you know, hand feed them. That's their job. That's what they're getting paid for. How, how do you normally respond to that? Well, I tell them, first of all, they need to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, people need praising. People need recognition. And it's not, you know, well, they're doing their job and all. Your job is to help people win uh, and help people accomplish their goals and not sit back and uh, evaluate and judge them and all those kind of things and put them into some kind of normal distribution curve and all. I think the managers and leaders need to get out of their office and start wandering around and see if they can catch anybody doing anything right. And you know what? If they start doing that, you'll be amazed at how much people will be willing to share with you because they know where all the trouble spots are. They know where money can be saved. They know where everything is. But if you don't reach out to them, they're certainly not going to reach back to you. It's amazing how um, you have such sage advice that has never changed, but there are still a lot of people who are in the millennial generation, that generation between uh, 17 and 27 today, who still could use so much of the beautiful teachings that you have to share. Let me ask you, how do you think your leadership style today differs from other practitioners in your field, meaning people who are teaching and authoring books on management and leadership? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of people doing good work, and I think the one big difference, and some other people do good here, but is I really push servant leadership. And a lot of people, when you hear talking about servant leadership, they think you're talking about the inmates running the prison or trying to please everybody or some religious movement. And I say, well, they don't understand leadership because there's two parts of leadership and I've never gotten Kathy in the middle of arguments between leadership and management the difference is because management always ends up you know as the stepsister there's two parts of leadership and after the break we'll really kind of talk about uh, those that's important one is the vision and direction and the other is implementation and they're both leadership positions I think well that's great and we will hold those thoughts this is Leadership Development News. Our guest today, Ken Blanchard. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. 
Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Ken Blanchard. And, Ken, just before the, the break, you said there's two parts of leadership, and you were making the distinction, at least for you, you didn't see much of a distinction between leadership and management. But let's go back to your yeah, two parts of leadership. Well, the, the two parts, so the first one is the vision and direction part, which is where are we going, what do we stand for, what are our values and our goals and all that. And people look to the uh, organizational leader in organizations to take the lead in that. It doesn't mean you don't involve other people, but you're responsible for setting uh, the tone. So I was just with uh, Herb Kelleher and Colleen Barrett and all their top people at Southwest Airlines in Dallas uh, last week. And, you know, Herb and Colleen and Gary Kelly, I mean, they really keep on saying, here's where we're going, here's our values, here's what we stand for. And they involve a lot of people. And all. But the second part of leadership, which is so critical, the, the first part is the leadership part of servant leadership. The second is implementation, which is how do we make it happen. And that's when the really great leaders turn the traditional hierarchy upside down, and now they're at the bottom cheerleading, supporting, encouraging uh, people to, you know, do, the, do their thing and, and give them the power to do it and all. And uh, so that's the servant part of servant leadership. And it's so interesting, like Colleen Barrett, who's just stepped down as president, her office uh, sent out 45,000 notes and and birthday cards and anniversary cards to people in their organization. And she handwrites about 3,000 of them a, a year and all because, you know, as president, she thought she was the big cheerleader because they already had the vision and direction set. Uh, and now how do we keep them doing it? And I just got them here. They're in a tough industry out there cheerleading their people on, 
you know, we can do it, you know, let's not back off our values. So servant leaders are people who know where you're going and are going to shout that out, but then they build the power in the people to make it happen. You know, as you're speaking, I, I am resonating back again to one of your statements that you said in the past, and uh, I think a servant leader, and I've always tried to achieve that role in some humble way, um, they believe that we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Can you talk to that a little bit? Well, you know, my, my belief is that uh, you finally become an adult when you realize that you're here to serve rather than be served, to give rather than to get. And that's a journey, you know, because I think we come in to this world, you know, self-serving. I don't know, you know, who's more self-serving than babies coming home from the hospital. They don't say, can I help around the house, you know. They're going, ah, you know, they want it, what they want right then. And it's, a, and it's a journey to realize that it's not about you. And, you know, you're really here to serve and to be served. And that's that journey from, you know, uh, somehow thinking, you know, okay, I might be a spiritual being, you know, uh, but I'm a human being having a spiritual experience to realize that, you know, you're really a very spiritual person. You know, you're a spiritual being having a human experience. And how do you bring those wonderful values and the belief that the, the golden rule and that, we're here to help each other. How do you make that happen uh, in your lifetime and in your work and all? And boy, that's when you really become a uh, you know a human being who realizes that they're a spiritual being having a human experience. And um, it's great to kind of put this in per- into perspective. And I want to uh, take this to a place we talked about a little earlier. Is just about coaching because I know we have a lot of people on the phone who are in leadership development, a lot of different organizations. And both Kathy and I, you know, alluded to the value of coaching. And I know with the Ken Blanchard companies, uh, tell us a little bit about maybe, you know, kind of why you're incorporating coaching and maybe how that happens. Because I know as a field, you know, it's gotten very popular in the last 10 years. Um, but maybe as an adjunct to what was traditional training and development, now we're adding the coaching piece. Well, you know, our son really pushed us into that. In fact, Scott started coaching.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, which has now become a major part of our operation because we were frustrated by all the people who loved what we taught them, but they weren't doing much with it. Mm-hmm. You know, not as much as we thought. There's always that 10 to 15 percent that'll grab something and really go with it. And we wanted to increase the probabilities. And the problem after training is if there's no follow-up, then you've gone to a delegating leadership style which is appropriate for some people and not for others. And we just felt that, that if we could get people to have a coach uh, coming out of training, and we use telephone coaches a lot, that we could have much bigger impact. And we've been able to do studies and show that, you know, where what happens to people after they get trained is they go back to work and everybody's been waiting for them. Their in-basket is full, you know, their email's full and all. They don't have time to implement it, but if they have a coach that they got to get on the phone, the coach says, you were at that seminar. What did you get out of it? What are you going to do? I'm going to talk to Alice, and I'm going to share it with my group. Well, good. I'll talk to you next week and see how it went. And if you didn't do it, the coach says, hey, get off the line, do that, and I'll talk to you uh, later, you know. And these people don't care about, you know, uh, their agendas. They want you uh, to have your agenda there. And I think it's just such a powerful thing to add to anything that we're doing is to make sure we got a, a coaching follow-up. 
Well, you know, what, what programs might you be able to talk about while you're here with us um, that might be helpful to our listeners in understanding how your firm is addressing the needs of leadership uh, in today's uh, workplace? Well, you know, I think the concept that we really become best known is the whole, all of situational leadership, which says there's no one best way to uh, help and influence people, and there's four different leadership styles, directing, coaching, supporting, and delegating. You know, as people uh, increase their own competency to be able and commitment to do things on their own, and so what we're trying to do is get people to match leadership style to where people are. So if you delegate to somebody who's an enthusiastic beginner that's never done the, uh, what you're asking them to do before, they're going to fail with vigor. And you're going to get just as much problems as if you get a highly competent, motivated person in an area that they know something of, and you're in there telling them what to do, how to do it, where to do it. You are over-supervising them there. And the other example, you're under-supervising what you want to do is get a match for people, and the reason why we think coaching is so important is very often in training, there's a lot of directing and coaching and training, and then all of them they say, good luck, you know, apply what you've learned, and then they go to a delegating leadership style, and, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't ready uh, or confident enough that they can run with the ball, and so we, we use that model to kind of help people understand you know, where you are. I, I'm going into the dentist this afternoon, and I'm sharing with him situational leadership because I have a dentist friend who determines what kind of, how many times he wants to see somebody a year, in a year, depending on how willing they are to be self-directed with their own dental care. <laughs> so it's it's a really powerful thing, you know, and so if I'm not willing to floss and take care of my teeth, well, I probably ought to come in four times a year. People say, I don't want to have four times a year. Well, then you better do something. <laughs> uh-huh. Otherwise, your teeth are going to fall out. And uh, so uh, it's it's that whole thing of, uh, you know, how do we match where people are in their own competency and commitment to uh, do something on their own? You know, so then on, on some of your programs, Ken, is is coaching an option, or are you at the place now where they'll, they'll have your traditional, you know, couple-day training, and then that's part of it that they do have X amount of sessions with someone, and if so, how many sessions typically do they have? Well, our, our, our philosophy now is with every client is to really show the research and everything and say we'd like to tie in coaching as a, as a, uh, a way to do it uh, because that's you're going to get a better return on your investment. Mm-hmm. And we're getting more and more people are saying, well, you're right and all. You still have a few people that will say, you know, no, we just want this training program and all. So... Uh, we probably <laughs> charge them a little bit more to pay for people who really want to make a difference, but uh, uh, we're trying to convert everybody we can to believers in the need mm-hmm. for follow-up and structure mm-hmm. uh, after any kind of training. Is that a, is that a set amount of coaching sessions, or is it de- determined by Well, by what person? we've been trying to do is uh, get six uh, weeks of training, you know, once a week for six weeks. Mm-hmm. One of the amazing things is that, after a company might stop paying for coaching after six weeks, we're finding about over 50% of the people want to pay it out of their own pocket mm. because they really find out what a benefit to have somebody you can talk to once a week for 50, to 50 minutes or so, 45, 50 minutes, whose only interest is you being the best mm-hmm. you that you can possibly be. It's interesting that you are sharing these insights as an entrepreneur 
because, of course, you know, Rally and I, being coaches, we've gone through this process. And at the beginning of the show, you know, we try to give people some very hardcore facts, and we stay on point with that particular uh, area of research so that we can continue to help people understand that investing in themselves is the best investment they'll ever make. So maybe maybe you can share a little bit uh, a little bit more about your experience as an entrepreneur, both early on and now. It seems like it never stops, does it? No, it really is. And the reason I wrote The Women and Entrepreneurs, Marge and I are celebrating the 30th anniversary of next year. We have 300-plus people with offices in London and in Toronto and partners in 30 nations, and we say, wow, that's unbelievable. We're in the, like, 1% of companies who start who last that long, uh, you know, and it's in the present form. Oh, congratulations. And so uh, I thought we'd try to help uh, people, and I found there's four key things uh, to being a uh, uh, successful entrepreneur. One is passion. If you don't love what you're doing, <laughs> you're never going to work hard enough to be the best. The second is uh, profit. Uh, at some point, making money has got to be more important than having fun, because if you can't have anybody to pay you to have fun, you've got a hob- hobby going there. So if you love to coach but nobody will pay you to do it, you know, that's a nice hobby. You can coach some of your friends and all. But <laughs> at some point, uh, somebody's got to get excited about it. But don't get carried away with profit being the only reason for being in business because it will come across your customers or and your people because the third P is people, which is your customers and your people and all, because without your people, you're nothing. The two biggest reasons people have trouble as entrepreneurs is they don't know how to manage finances or people or both. Then the final one, which is interesting, might want to spend a little time talking about is priorities. And this gets at this thing about people become uh, human doings rather than human uh, beings, you know, and uh, so that uh, they think because they're passionate, they forget about their priorities, which I think are God, you know, your family, your friends, and then your work, you know, so that uh, because when all is said and done in life, it's who you love and who loves you. And if you get carried away that what you do is who you are, then you're going to turn around someday and you're not going to have a family or a lot of friends and you'll have this great business that you think, uh, but I think it'll probably blow up in your face too. Well, very, very sage words from somebody who's been there. And I think the uh, the human being piece is all this leadership management stuff that we're talking about here in Leadership Development News, but sometimes it's almost like having a... For, for many managers and leaders, two different checklists. They have the human doing checklist, you know, which is all their tasks and all their meetings, and sometimes they forget the human being checklist. Are they doing all the leadership stuff? Yes, I think it's so important to, to check both of them, but uh, don't uh, get too carried away with one. Okay, Stick great. The doing. Well, don't get too far away. We'll be right back with Leadership Development News and our guest today, Ken Blanchard, right after this break. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and 
brand influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News with Dr. Ken Blanchard. Before the break, we were just talking about the difference in leaders, human doings, and human beings. And, uh, and a question we have for you, Ken, is, and I know from one of your books, why do you think it is that people don't do what they know how to do as often as they should? Well, I think they're trying to do too many things. You know, I think you need to focus on a few things that can really make any differences. Back to that 20% that gets you your 80%. And, and very often in training, the, the trainers get so excited about their field, they want to teach everything rather than sort of say, what are a few things that I can teach these people and then give them a lot of practice and then do follow-up coaching that can make the biggest difference in, in their lives. So I think, uh, you know, we, people will come to me and say, I've read 30 books on leadership this year, and I'll say, I don't think there's anything stupider than that. You're better, better off reading three books six times <laughs> <laughs> than 30. So find some that can really impact your life. Well, speaking of something that would really impact your life, certainly would impact mine, and I know Relly would agree his, if someone were to come along tomorrow and for whatever reason make us make a life choice about anything we could do in this world and they took everything away from us, what, what would be the one, the one positive thing that you get the best positive results with that you would want to re- retain and keep and continue to work and grow? Well, I think the, the interesting thing is that I think about all the things I've taught, but what I hold on to, and I think that the key to developing people and the key to, to 
creating great organizations is to catch people doing things right and accent the positive. I, I think that uh, we just don't do that enough in our society. I mean, I listen to the radio and the news and all, and all they're focused on is the bad news. And I never forget I asked Norman Vincent Peale one time, why doesn't the news uh, say much more about positive things? He said, I'm so glad they don't. If good news was news, there wouldn't be much of it going on. The only reason bad news is bad is news is there's not much of it happening. And But uh, I think we need to accent the, the positive. I think we need to cheer people on that are doing good things so they don't get thinking that it doesn't mean anything because then nobody pays any attention to it. So that's the most important thing is look at your kids. Catch them doing something right. Look at your spouse, your friends, your colleagues and all accent the positive. And I know when that happens, and it's, it can seem simple that for, you know, for managers, and that's why they may look for these complex theories, but some of the research that, that you have from your company that I think is, as I've quoted, that's so valuable is that some of these basic things like giving feedback, praising and acknowledging, using the right leadership style that most leaders don't do, and I think you have research, you know, it's anywhere from 85 to 87% of leaders don't do some basic you know, foundational skills. Well, I think that they need to recognize that that <clears throat> being a leader is is different than being just a doer, because now you're supposed to help other people do. You're not supposed to be the doing. Mm-hmm. And so often, <clears throat> we promote a good doer and make him a supervisor or a leader, and we don't teach him anything. And I think we got to teach them how to bring out the best in other people when you're a, a, a doer out there and you're doing your own job, you're trying to be the best you that you can possibly be, which is great, but then it shifts the minute you become a parent or a manager or a leader, because now your job is to help bring out the magnificent in other people. Jen, um, have you ever worked with uh, uh, Rick Warren in the area of purpose-driven life? You, you were the one in 1999 who wrote all about purpose as a leader. Yes, well, well, Rick's a good friend. In fact, uh, you know, I have a ministry that people might be interested in called Lead Like Jesus. It's not about converting anybody, but I found when I read the Bible when I was 48, I went, wow, everything I've ever taught, everything I've ever done, Jesus did with these 12 incompetent guys he hired that you never would have. Uh, and uh, Rick and I have worked together <coughs> on that and uh, helping him on his peace model and all that kind of thing. But his purpose-driven life is just, you know, write down the idea that all good performance starts with clear goals. Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to accomplish? And and purpose-driven life is really trying to find out why are you here and all. And so I thought he did a great job interviewing Obama and McCain uh, on Saturday night. That was great. Yes, he did. And I hope people will download that. And I hope they'll also come to Voice America, to Leadership Development News, and download today's show as well, and we certainly hope that anybody who's been listening understands that these are there for you to use, and we are purposely driven to provide you with as many results as we can while we're on the air, so please do so. So then, Ken, in just the last minute, or a couple minutes we have here, you know, the, the question that some people say, are, are leaders born or, or are they made, and we want to kind of get your expert, you know, ad, advice on that. Well, I think they're probably both. Some people that seem to come out of the womb, you know, being leaders. And, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> my mother always says, how come these kids are all knocking on the door saying, Kenny, what do you think we should do today? Well, I don't know, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but 
anybody even who is born as a leader can learn new skills and all. And some people who just weren't born leaders, they can learn it. So I, I, I think it's a, it's a learnable skill, but you have to get your ego out of the way and realize uh, that uh, you, you have things to learn and you can, can be better at it. But uh, I think it's uh, some people who are natural leaders, but they can still learn. Some people are unnatural leaders, and they maybe have a lot to learn. <laughs> Well, it's funny, as you look at the future of management and leadership shaping up, given the changes in market conditions and globalization underway, any hints you can give those future leaders out there? Well, I think today, more than anything, you know, the talk about Rick Warren's purpose-driven life, the first sentence is a whole leadership training program. It's not about you. And I think that as we get to be much more complex and globalized and technology and all, as leaders, you better get that, it's not about you. You're going to really need to depend on the people around you uh, to, to get the things done and all because in the old days, you know, you could know more than anybody else. Now, Nowadays, everybody has access to knowledge and they all have skills and all. And I think Abraham Lincoln said it well. He said, you'll be amazed at how much you can get done if you don't care who gets the credit. Mm. I'm with you. So, Ken, uh, maybe... You can give us some of your contact information. If people wanted to, to either go to some of the websites to get some more of your information or your books, where, where's the best place they, they, they get hold of They can just it? go to uh, uh, com and, and uh, plug into what we're doing with our company, and then they could go to leadlikejesus.com if they wanted to see what we're doing in the, in the faith areas. Those would be the best. And also with the entrepreneur, I recommend you go on eStrengths.com because we developed a little instrument to... 20 characteristics of effective entrepreneurs, and you could go in there and find out and get a score for yourself and then mm. find out who you ought to gather around you so that you can, you're not going to replicate yourself. You're going to bring in people who compliment you. And the Ken Blanchard companies are still in California? Yes, we're in San Diego. Uh, and uh, we went on a one-year sabbatical leave 30 years ago, just never went back. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of company. <laughs> Well, Ken, it, it is always an honor uh, to have uh, a conversation with you, whether it's casual or whether it's intimate. And I cannot thank you enough for having this outstanding, intimate conversation with all of our listeners. And I hope uh, as, as you create new and wonderful uh, lessons and, and ways of educating us on those great life lessons that you'll, you'll continue to Make sure they get in our hands. Will you promise to do that? I will. Thank you so much to be uh, with both of you. God bless. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Ken. This is Leadership Development News. We'll be with you again next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Business Channel.